Okay, we'd like to welcome you back. Uh, I guess, in a way, this is part two, but this is a dedicated study on the subject of marijuana legalization and the Bible. So, I received a, a uh, question, kind of a question and comment, regarding marijuana and the Bible the other day. And it's a link to a website. And it says, how do you feel about this link? Okay. And we're going to get into the link itself. It says, please read this page and respond. It, meaning marijuana, really helps me with my indigestion, stress, and sleeplessness. I smoke from a vaporizer, so it's harmless. My response, which is voluminous. Uh, we're going over essentially a... I've already covered the subject with tobacco before. So I'm not going to go over the exact same things I was going over that particular study. I give you a link near the start of this study for that because you really need to listen to this study and the other if you have any question about a Christian smoking. Here's a quote from an article. It says, so I'm a Christian and I smoke. What's wrong with that? Imagine for a moment the Lord Jesus stepping into your house to visit you personally. You have him sit down in your most comfortable chair. In the course of sharing together, you offer him a marijuana joint, or possibly a bong hit. What do you think his response would be? You know, just something to think about there as we kind of start this, this study off here. To consider the Lord's response, we will take the liberty with scriptural passages found in Colossians 3.23 and 1 Corinthians 10.31 in light of the smoking questions. So these are, these are okay, let's say, let's apply, in this particular case, marijuana smoking to these verses. So, Colossians 3.23, Whenever you get high, get high heartily, as unto the Lord. Or, how about 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whenever you get stoned, get stoned to the glory of God. Now, obviously, this is tongue-in-cheek, but I'm saying, with this particular subject, you have to get into, I mean, you don't have to, but I think it's good to get into the proper mindset. Let's see what does the word of God say. Can you imagine getting stoned heartily as under the Lord? You know, whatever you set your hand to do, do it with all your might. So get stoned with all your might. We could apply that then. I mean, if we're going to do that, let's just apply it to heroin and cocaine and all of the plethora of, of drugs, you know, that are out there. Um, scripture, or um, the uh, prescription drugs too. We don't want to leave them out, like Oxycontin and those, those fun drugs. You know. I've seen, when I was um, in practice, man, I, I saw a lot of those drugs, I mean, just ruin people. Ruin them. I mean, they became drug addicts literally overnight. For, particularly from Oxycontin. I've never seen changes in people. That drug was originally developed for end-stage cancer patients that were on their last legs going to die. Now it's like they just, you know, prescribe it like it's candy or whatever. So, I'm just telling you some history of it. Huge demonic component with those opiate-based drugs, particularly OxyContin. That's been my experience. I'm sorry, I worked with a lot of patients. I worked with an MD. And I had nothing to do with what he was doing, but they would come in from car accidents and he would prescribe that garbage to them. I was trying to do the exact opposite I was trying to get them better naturally. I would give them manganese so they would hold their adjustments that I was giving them. I didn't want them on that garbage. And the quicker I could get them better, hopefully the quicker they could get off it. But the problem was, 
a lot of these people were what they call candy seekers, meaning they were basically getting into accidents so they could come in and get more drugs. They had no interest in the treatment I was really giving them because all they really cared about were the meds. A lot of people live like that now. I was uh, more naive back then about these types of subjects, even though I was a doctor, I was pretty naive about it. Uh, but I you know, eventually figured it out. So, I tell him, sorry, but I'm totally against this, meaning smoking marijuana. I have and have had many friends when I was unsaved who smoked this stuff, and I know what it did to me and to them. I've smoked it uh, a long time ago when I was unsaved and stuff. And I never really liked it, to be quite honest. All it ever did is really put me to sleep. And I've had enough problems with energy levels in my life, much less anything that puts me to sleep as well. So I never really gravitated toward this stuff. But, I mean, my parents, man, when I was growing up, you know, they were, I mean, at least once a week. You know, they had a duffel bag of this stuff in their closet. I remember growing up. So, I mean, I've been around it. My whole family. I mean, even probably to this day, a lot of them. So, this is something I know quite a bit about. Went to college. You know, um, two of my roommates were, were, I mean, constantly. Three, four times a day. They lived off this stuff. And I had two female roommates when I was in college, in chiropractic college. They were like my sisters, okay? There was nothing... I was unsaved, but they were like my sisters. And... The one named Lisa, who I love, um, was always getting high. And Gary, who was the boyfriend of my other roommate, they would get high, like, all the time. Three, four, five, six times a day. Their life revolved around this stuff. I mean, it revolved around it. If they got low in pot, I mean, they started to panic. They were totally addicted to this stuff. And it was it was a running joke back then, particularly with Lisa and Gary too. Because I mean they were they they weren't there. I mean, I don't know how she got through chiropractic college. I have no clue. I don't. Thank God later I saw her and met her at, I mean after after a convention one time and she was off that garbage. She gotten pregnant, had a had a couple children and got off it. And she was like a totally different person. Was really happy for, but I'm telling you, in college it was like I, I've never been around somebody more forgetful in my life. You cannot tell me this stuff does not affect you in an adverse way, and that there's not a demonic component to it. I, I I just believe that. I remember one time when I was like really young, and I had we were smoking some of this garbage, probably the the more, most I'd ever smoked in my life. I wasn't even in high school yet. We were at the skating rink. And I can remember, and I literally can remember seeing a devil. It was the only time in my life up to that point where I literally saw a devil. We were walking from the skating rink, and I saw something. And it was freaky. And I think from that point forward, I never really wanted to ever go there again. I don't know if God let me see that so that it would scare me enough where I didn't want to do it anymore. But I never really... that That was pretty much, for me, the end of... You know, I might do a little bit now and then after that, but it wasn't like my friends were, you know. So, uh, that's been, it's just a little of my experience with this stuff, okay. So, a lot of times, somebody if, if somebody comes from, let's say, 
well, I was born and raised in the church and strict Baptist background, never let a drop of alcohol touch my tongue and never got high, never did this and never did that. And that's not me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know the pit from whence I was dug, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't do that. I don't ever even think about that. I don't have any desire for that garbage, but I'm just saying that, you know, I have a pretty unique perspective because I have been there, done a lot of this garbage. I never did anything like heroin or cocaine or, or that kind of stuff. But, I mean, um, you know, this was about the strongest stuff I ever did. And I didn't even like this. You know, I was more into drinking in that age, in particular. So, anyway, you cannot come to me and tell me this has no effect on people. I've been there been around it enough in my life to know what it does. Okay, and it does not produce good fruit. Now, I'm not going to just say that and this is the end of the subject. I'm going to look at this from a lot of different aspects. Now, I did a teaching on tobacco, smoking tobacco. And I give you the link to that teaching. You really need to listen to that teaching as well because I get into some things in that teaching, a lot of the things that I'm not going to recover. But what I did do in this teaching is I provided you the same PDF documents that are in that other teaching. So if you want to read through the PDF, okay, just that if I recover it, we're just being redundant. And I just don't really have the time to be redundant anymore. Um, I'm redundant enough probably the other teachings that I do. So it's imperative you listen to this teaching. I've already covered uh, because I've covered so many aspects of the subject. Now, he brought up, okay, I use it to get to sleep. All right, well, here's, a, here's an easy alternative. Sublingual melatonin. Preferably low dose, 500 micrograms to 1,000 micrograms, okay? We're not talking 5 grams of the stuff because melatonin is somewhat habit-forming, okay? But I believe if you do it at a low level, it's really not that big of a deal, okay? It's a natural product, though. It's not a drug. Now, I give you a link to a product from Herbs Pro. The stuff couldn't be cheaper. It's like 3 bucks a bottle, for like 60 whatever tablets of this stuff. It's a sublingual melatonin. A low dose sublingual melatonin. And I've used it and it works good. Okay, So that could be an alternative there. Instead of you know torching it up before you go to bed. Or whatever. And then um, regarding the indigestion. I posted my newsletter on upset stomach, indigestion, these types of things at the end of this PDF document. I'm not going to go into it. If you want to read that, you can read it. But I've got a lot of health newsletters that I've written on different health subjects. Okay, I can't do that anymore because I don't have time. But indigestion and upset stomach and that type of thing was one I already did a, teach, or a, a newsletter on. And it's at, the, it's at the very, very bottom of the PDF for December 16th, 2012. You can read that if you like. Okay, Because that's a subject I just can't cover in like two minutes. It's a little more complex. So, what was the next point he brought up? He said, well, I'm using a vaporizer, so it's harmless. Okay? So, how does a vaporizer work? There are many types of vaporizers on the market, but they all work on, with the same principle, which is to heat your medical marijuana until the active chemicals boil and vaporize. The chemical makeup of cannabis, or medical marijuana, or mar marijuana, whatever, uh, Marijuana or cannabis contains carotenoids, which are a group of terephenolic compounds, including THC, which is what gets the users high. In addition, there are CBD and CBN. These are abbreviations for longer terms. Uh, the latter is produced as the THC ages and breaks down. Cannabis with high levels of 
HC, and CBD will create a strong energetic high, where low levels of THC and high levels of CBD will be more of a body sleepy stoner high. Okay, so that's kind of the difference. Vaporization. When cannabinoids are heated to the right temperature, they literally boil and vaporize. Okay? As the medical marijuana vaporizes, you will note that a thin mist of vapor is created at the lower 338 degree Fahrenheit temperature range. Compare this to a typical marijuana joint, which burns, like if you're going to light it, it burns at up to 2012 degrees Fahrenheit. And since vaporization takes place at temperatures below combustion, up to twice as many active constituents are delivered to the user than one would get from smoking it. And this is according to studies. So in other words, you're going to have the potential to get much more high off vaporization. But the whole thing is, yeah, but I burn it and it's bad for my lungs. Okay, you vaporize it. Okay, you're not getting all that whole lung smoke thing going. So that's the justification here. But you're getting twice the active constituents delivered to the user of these THC and things like this. We're going to discuss this more as well. So the verses listed in the link you sent me are beyond a stretch. This is my response. This is the, in the link that he gave me. I said, it's like trying to push a circular peg into a square hole. To say these verses are in regard to pot is totally impossible and not even applicable. The report you read me, and this is like the first part of the report, okay, of this link. It says, what in the word of God on the cannabis plant? What, what is in the word of God regarding the cannabis plant? It goes on to say, the hemp plant scientific name, cannabis, or marijuana, is one of the many useful herbs. Yielding seed after its kind, created and blessed by God on the third day of creation. Oh, wow. Okay, can we include opium in there, in the coca plant, and hemlock plant, and the and other just things that are, are very borderline, or if not just flat out poison? I think we have to qualify. Not all herbs or plants are, you know, meant for man's use. Now, I'm not talking about hemp where you can actually create clothing and papers and canvas and all kind of useful things from the hemp of a marijuana plant. Okay, I'm not that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting high. Okay, from marijuana. So please I I'm I'm gonna separate that right from the beginning. Um and then it says uh, yield seed in after its kind, God created and blessed on the third day of creation, and God saw that it was good. So it's, in other words, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Everything's good. Come on. Again, do we include opium in there? The poppy seed. Do we include the coca plant where we get cocaine from? Where, where does it end here? Okay, I'm not saying there's not medicinal uses for certain things. Okay, but obviously you have to look at the fruit of something. I've already described some of the fruit. From what I've seen, the fruit on marijuana is not good. It's never been good. And I've been around it a lot in my life. So I have a kind of a good first-person perspective on that one. Then it goes on to say, um, he gave hemp for people to use for our free will. I thought we're supposed to be sober. The Bible talks about being sober, you know, and not like, you know, going around getting high and stoned and drunk and stuff like that. We're supposed to be sober. Okay, so again, do we apply that to heroin and cocaine? God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth. 
uh, to you it will be for meat. Meat means food. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So again, they're just trying to lump everything into that classification. The Bible predicts that some herbs prohibition. Oh, this is a good one. The Bible predicts some herbs prohibition, though. First uh, Timothy 4, 1 and 2 and 3. And you've heard me quote this verse many times. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times, some shall, and then they just jump right into speaking lies and hypocrisy, which would be somebody like me, because I'm trying to lead you astray, because I'm telling you not to get high. Okay, because I'm speaking lies and hypocrisy. I love how they really... Um, do. And then the next thing, commanding to abstain from meats. Meats are foods. The cannabis bud is not our food. Do you go around eating pot? I mean, it'll get you high. Well, yes, I I have solids, and it's just pure cannabis. It doesn't make any sense. Okay? Commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. We were going from the Old Testament Levitical Law Covenant, which forbade certain foods... To the New Testament covenant under the Lord Jesus Christ, who says Jesus Christ was a better covenant. Okay? When the sheet came down that Peter was shown and it had foods that were considered in the Levitical Old Testament covenant unclean, God said, slay and eat. You can eat these foods now. Now, there is wisdom in the Old Testament Levitical guidelines. Okay? There is wisdom in that. I did a whole teaching on that. Just key in either dietary or guidelines or Levitical in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com. But we're not bound. It's not like, okay, you cannot eat swine's flesh anymore. You're going to, you know, you're violating some whatever. Now, if you're Hebrew roots, I'm sure that that's the the case because you're still under the law. You've brought yourself into that bondage willingly, even though we've been released from that bondage. Do we sin that grace may abound? No, we don't do that either. But there's a balance that has to be struck here. So, um, they're saying, speaking lies and hypocrisy, commanding them to abstain from meats. So in other words, me telling you not to smoke pot, I'm commanding you to abstain from a meat, and I'm bad. A meat is a food. It's not something we smoke. Okay, And we don't go around eating pot. This would be more in reference to, uh, this is totally in reference to the Old Testament Levitical foods that we were forbidden to eat. Now, we're never to eat blood in meat, okay, that's still a perpetual prohibition. The life of the bodies and the blood, we're not supposed to eat blood. But he's trying, the, the, this deluded person writing this article is trying so hard to cram this warped theology down our throats and tr- trying, having the audacity to use the Bible in order to do it. That's what, you know, I can't stand. Speaking lies of hypocrisy, uh, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them that believe and know the truth. The Bible speaks of a special plan. Oh, my word. This is so unbelievable. <laughs> the Bible speaks of a special plan. Now, this is, the, this is the backbone of this whole article. Okay? This verse here. Ezekiel 34, 29. says, I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, Neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. End of quote. And then he goes on. Now this is evidently marijuana that, that the Bible's in reference to. According to this article, 
I will raise up for them a plan of renown, and they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land. Now, we're going to examine this verse. I'm not going to say anything yet. Neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. Hmm, okay. All right. And then it goes on to say, Revelation 22, 1 and 2. On either side of the river, there was the tree of life. Now, this is in heaven, okay? On either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bear which bear 12 manner of fruits, and yielding her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. What does that have to do with now? We're not even there yet. This is the end of Revelation. <laughs> you know? Okay, look, let's read the full context of that verse, because I'm, I'm going to go back to Ezekiel 34, 29. But Revelation 22, and um, I don't know why they say... Okay, so, and he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So we're dealing with heaven here, okay? And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life. Now, I think they leave out the first verse so that you realize that you're, you're not realizing that this is actually in heaven, okay? They're acting like, no, this is here on, this is here in America, and it's almost the way they want you to interpret it. They're trying to teach you by this, by omission in the Bible. By getting you to assume things which aren't even true, which are unbiblical, by twisting scripture and omitting other scriptures. We're going to look at all the scriptures they omitted in Ezekiel 34 as well. To try to, this is how cults get started. You have to understand, this is the exact same premise by which, like, if a Mormon or Jehovah Witness, they're going to try, if you let them sit you down, they're going to take you to their pre-planned verses in your Bible where they're going to try to put doubt in your head about the faith in the Word of God. And they're going to take things out of context in order to do that. That's exactly what this dude, or whoever this wrote this article, is doing. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the Tree of Life, which Banner which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, and but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. I mean, this is, this is not in our time frame right now, and this is in heaven, we're in reference to. So, to even possibly associate the marijuana plant with this verse in Revelation 22, 1 and 2, and the verse before it, which I'll get into in greater depth, is almost borderline blasphemy. It really is. On either side of the river, there was a tree of life. What are you saying? The marijuana plant's that? Which bear manner, 12 manner fruits? What, is one of them going to be a big cannabis thing so we can go and get high in heaven? You understand how unbelievably irreverent and borderline blasphemous, that sounds. People, though, that have their pet whatever theology will, will go to the greatest lengths in order to justify what they're doing. I found that out about being in ministry as long as I have. If somebody has their mind made up about something, you're most likely not going to convince them otherwise. You give them the truth, and then you go on. Do not harp, do not stay, you know... There's a time when you contend with the fool, lest he be wise in his own conceit. But then there's a time when you don't contend with the fool, lest you be like him. 
Those are two verses of Proverbs. There's a time when, you know, you answer a man full of talk, lest he be justified. And there's a time when you don't cast your pearls before swine, lest they turn and rend you. Generally, I contend with somebody and I go on. You know? And because you can't just sit there and burn all your time on one person. Their mind's made up. Don't confuse them with the facts. That's, that's what I've learned about a lot of different biblical subjects. Uh, so, then it goes on to say, how was cannabis used in biblical times and lands? Cannabis was used in 12 ways. Clothing, paper, cord, sales, fishnet, oil, sealant, incense, food, ceremony, relaxation, man, and medicine. And then it says, For the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest and I will consider in my dwelling place, like a clear heat upon herbs. Oh, that's marijuana. I will take my rest and I will consider my dwelling place, like a clear heat upon herbs. Where does it say he was getting high there on marijuana? Do you understand how they're... This is such a... It's not even a stretch. It's like talking about something totally unrelated and saying, yep, they're talking about pot here. Yep. It's as clear as day to me. (laughs) Sorry, it's not to me, man. I will take my rest and consider my dwelling place like the clear heat upon herbs? What is... That's rather vague as, as it is, and you surely can't say that's marijuana. Smoking and getting high. And then it says, for after harvest, when the bud is perfect. Oh, see? See, he's talking about the bud, man. The marijuana bud. <laughs> it's almost like, give me a break. When the bud is perfect, and the sour grape is ripening in the flower. A lot of things have buds, just so you know. He shall cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks, and take away and cut down the branches. What? So he can smoke the bud of the marijuana plant and get, you know, Maui Wowie high? <laughs> is that what we're in reference to here? This is the verses they're using to justify this. Basically also implying that Jesus Christ must have, you know, partook of this and was, you know, getting high as well. That's, that's when I read, that, that's all I'm going to read you on this. Because I, I, it's so ridiculous, this argument. Then it goes on to say, what, what about cannabis today? Hemp is used today, has thousands of uses. Modern technology has devised many new uses for the hemp plant, like biomass energy, building materials, fuel, plastic. Hey, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with hemp. I think it's great. Using it in that context is wonderful. It is incredibly durable. Awesome stuff. Grows like a weed. They call it weed. But when you cross over into the other, well, and again, big reason I'm doing this is because they legalized marijuana now in Washington and then Colorado coming up here, it's going to kick in. And they all met at the Sky Needle like a week ago to torch it up at 12 midnight. When the law kicked in, you know, so now everybody, you know, stoned in Seattle. Instead of sleepless in Seattle, you got stoned in Seattle now. You know, it's legal, man. I mean, I can imagine all the stoners moving out there just for that reason. Anyway. So, the verse that is the backbone of their argument 
here. I'm just going to go over this one, really harp on it. It's conveniently isolated out of context, which I listed below with all the other verses that are around it. And these verses are, are in relation to the saved Israelites during the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ on earth. Not the time we are even living in currently. So, let's look at the whole context of Ezekiel 34, at least the verses that are applicable to this. Let's just start at verse 23. And I will set up one shepherd over them. Even he shall feed them. Even my servant David. And he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. Now, this was future tense. David had already passed. Okay? This is when David is going to be a shepherd over Israel in the thousand-year millennial reign. He shall feed them, he shall be their shepherd. Next verse. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. Now, has this happened since David died? No. Obviously, it's future tense then. Is the Lord God of Israel the God of the Israelites currently? No. Blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, which will not even take place until near the end of the tribulation, according to the word of God. So, this is, this is all future, okay? And I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Has that happened yet? A covenant of peace with God? No, I don't think Israel's got that. David's not ruling over them. Uh, the Lord's not their God yet. Are the evil beasts, uh, have they ceased out of the land? No, I think they're still there. And, and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness? Hmm. It's probably in more of the context than the lion will lay down with the lamb and these types of things. Okay? But that hasn't happened yet. Then in the next verse, and I will make them... The, see, this is why we have to rightly divide the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. We don't just take one verse out of context and say, yeah, man, that's, that's pot. This <laughs> is exactly what I can see a stoner doing. <laughs> I've been around enough, so... I mean, I can just see this. I can see the, the wheels turning in their head. So they can justify this. You know? So, I will, and I will make them in the places round about my hill a blessing. And it will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. That's where that term, showers of blessing, comes from. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. And they shall be safe in their land. Ha! Huh, is Israel safe right now in her land? How many studies have we done on that one? Fearing it every side. With the good old Muslim terrorists aiming the rockets, you know. Moving them a little bit further in every time they give up more land for peace. Muslims, you know, pronouncing their absolute total annihilation off the face of the planet. Well, I don't think that's happened quite yet. Uh, and shall know that I am the Lord. That hasn't happened yet either. When I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them. Well, has God broken the bands of their yoke yet? Are the Muslims, are they at peace in the land? Is David ruling over them? Are the wild beasts of the, of the evil beasts of the land out of the land and dwelling safely in the wilderness? No. Are the, are, is Israel safe in the land? No. Huh. Has he broken the bands of their yoke of Israel and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves? No. None of the above. 
and they shall no more be a prey to the heathen. Okay? They're absolutely a prey to the heathen. A prey like they're prey. Like they're... Like when you hunt game and you're prey. Well, that's what the Muslims are doing to Israel. It's exactly what they're doing to Israel right now. Okay? They have made it very, very clear that Israel is their prey. That's their main target. They want to annihilate them. And this is during a time, and they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them. And they shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. If there was ever a time in the last couple thousand years where this wouldn't apply, it would be now, toward Israel, particularly. Okay, and then we finally get to the verse which is the backbone of the whole marijuana argument for this particular warped article. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land. Isn't it kind of funny? Okay, this is this is marijuana, evidently. It makes a lot of sense why God's going to raise up the marijuana plant. Plant of renown. And they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land. Well, you know what's kind of funny? Marijuana gives you the munchies. Number one, you don't eat it for food. Like, I had a marijuana sandwich. It really filled me up. No, if you had a marijuana sandwich, you'd be stoned out of your mind, and you'd probably be beyond hungry like five minutes later because it gives you the munchies. Makes you eat more. It's well known. That's what marijuana does. So that by itself shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land. (laughs) If everybody was going around eating marijuana... They'd be so hungry, they'd have to, they'd have to like put out twice the food supply to keep all the all the stoned out munchy dudes, you know, <laughs> happy or whatever. So this so doesn't even remotely apply the concept that this is marijuana, and we're not even we're, we're talking in the thousand year millennial reign of Christ that we're dealing with here. So I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land. Neither bear the shame of the heathen any more. Okay, so, uh, and I have a note here. Obviously, from the context here, this is a plant that we eat. Okay, not smoke. <laughs> I mean, pot makes you hungry, so it would be the opposite of this plant reference there in the Bible. Okay, then it goes on to say, Thus shall they know that I am the Lord their God, uh, that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. Okay? So, anyway. <laughs> There's so much more I could refute. I will try to cover this in an upcoming teaching. That's what I told them. That's what I'm doing right now. Okay, so let's just go into now some medical facts about marijuana, hashish, cannabis, or daga. It's called Daga in Africa. Um, hashish is a much stronger like cousin to it. Uh, that's typically grown over in like Turkey and other areas of the world, typically. India, those types of places. Um, so marijuana, or what they call Daga, comes from the cannabis plant. I mean, there's so many names for this stuff. You know, just so you know, it's, it's a plethora of names. Uh... The duration of the high or the stoned effect lasts typically for two to three hours after smoking. Daga contains more than 400 different substances. The strongest intoxicating substance is the THC, or tetrahydrocannabinol. 
Marijuana causes more lung damage than tobacco. It contains 50% to 100% more cancer-causing substances than cigarettes. I don't know about that. I, that I don't know because they put so many more additives in. Now, if it's just straight tobacco, absolutely. But the cigarette companies put hundreds of different things in the tobacco, which are also highly addictive. And then when you light the tobacco cigarette... Those chemicals start cross-combining and create more further addictive chemicals that are also cancer-causing. So, I don't know which one's more cancer-causing, but they both are. Okay, um, It contains... Okay, so going further, one study showed that the average age, of, age group of people who had developed head and neck cancer was 32 years old, and they had the common factor of being marijuana smokers. Okay, so the effects of cannabis on the central nervous system. In contrast to alcohol, even tiny concentrations of THC, which is the active component of marijuana, affects the brain. Uh, marijuana disrupts functions of the brain. This impairs concentration, short-term memory. Boy, I can attest to that one with my roommates. As well as the ability to learn and perform normal tasks. The consequences are increased in increased motor vehicle accidents, accidents at work, lack of interest at work or school. You know, I mean, I hung out with these guys in high school. Stoners. The druggy crowds, you know, I was like, again, I was really never one of them. I never did that stuff, but I hung out with some of them. And I mean, they had like the motivation of a dung beetle. Why? Because they were always looking for their next stoner high hit. You don't get a whole lot done when you're stoned. You don't think real good when you're stoned. You're numb. You know, you're in a haze. It's very hard to be very productive when you're stoned, you know? So anyway... Um, shortly after intake, marijuana can trigger severe states of mental derangement, psychosis, persecution, anxiety, delusional perceptions, hallucinations, orientational disturbances have been experienced. This is a highly referenced article that I'm quoting from. Long-term marijuana use causes functional changes in the brain, especially in the structure that plays an important role in the generation of emotions, which is the limbic system. It also causes a state of withdrawal, apathy, and indifference, and social and personal stagnation. One study showed that after frequent use of marijuana, poor progress at school was three times more common. I, again, I don't know how my roommate got through, or the, my other roommate, Gary. I don't know how they got through chiropractic college. In fact, they had a ton of problems in chiropractic college. I'm pretty sure they... Um, I graduated like a quarter. She had to stay back. It, it was it was really, really... I, I couldn't even believe they got through. They barely did, both of them. And it was obvious what was causing it. It was the marijuana. It was totally obvious. So, going further... Um, let's see here. So, it showed poor progress at school is three times more common. Violent fights with parents occurred twice as often. Suicide attempts increased by 20%. Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol decreases the body's resistance to bacteria and viruses. It therefore weakens the body's immune system, which leads to greater susceptibility to, to infectious diseases. It lowers immune system function. When smoking during pregnancy, THC crosses the placental barrier, barrier which means that it enters the bloodstream of the unborn child. Marijuana is used as correlated with decreased body weight, smaller head circumference, and disorders in mental development. It causes an increase in miscarriages and an increase in infantile deaths and leukemia. If a mother smokes marijuana while breastfeeding, the newborn child will also ingest THC via maternal milk. 
THC is fat-soluble and is therefore stored in the fatty tissues, such as the brain, the lungs, the kidney, the liver, the reproductive organs, where it remains for weeks. Whereas a single, they're saying, tot of alcohol is eliminated from the body within six hours. Now, I'm not advocating alcohol, you know, like go out and get drunk or whatever, but I'm just saying it's out of the system a lot quicker. Um, THC, because it's um, fat-soluble, is like if you're trying to pass any kind of drug test, it's one of the worst things you can possibly do because it will stay in for a long, long time, typically. So the half-life of THC is approximately one week and its complete elimination requires one month. This, I've heard it can, I've heard though it can be detected even after that. Anyway, this means that the weekend users are never drug-free. Even months after the last joint, sudden and unexpected states of intoxication or flashbacks can occur. Uh, marijuana leads to changes in the genetic makeup or the production of abnormal sperm cells and chromosomal damage. Okay, so now it's affecting the DNA. Um, <clears throat> marijuana tolerance develops rapidly. The ability to withstand a marked increase in dosage to obtain or maintain the initial effect. Withdrawal symptoms include nausea, vomiting, sweating, tumors, and sleep disturbances. People that smoke on a regular basis, whether it's tobacco or marijuana, it will age you much quicker. Why? Because when you burn the marijuana or the tobacco or whatever, you're creating and you inhale the smoke, it has a massive amount of free radicals that it creates in the body. Free radicals are like the main thing that causes you to age. I've noticed people that I've been around that smoke a lot, they age much quicker, they get a lot of wrinkles on their face. Why? Because the free radicals are creating damage in the collagen and the skin layers. It's, it's creating aging. Okay? This is why... You know, um, things like vitamin C and that astraxanthin are free radical quenchers. They're antioxidants, which would why and also with smoking, you're you're stimulating the adrenal glands, which will eventually kind of burn them out, and that is is a stressful thing. And you're burning up all your vitamin C because the adrenals have to have the vitamin C in order to function properly. The more stressed out you are, the quicker you're going to go through vitamin C. And you cannot manufacture vitamin C like animals can. We manufacture vitamin C, or animals can manufacture vitamin C from glucose. We can't do that. We have to get it from the outside in. So that's why I like these whole food state vitamin C products that are actually um, derived from plants, like that one that I used that right that C five hundred. It's from literally from an orange. They actually derive it. Not ascorbic acid, which is the garbage you can get at any health food store, which they say, oh, this is vitamin C. No, it's not. It's a chemical that they create in a laboratory that they manufacture and put in fifty gallon barrel drums and it's not vitamin C. Ascorbic acid is the protective component of vitamin C, but it's only one part of it. And in a synthetic chemical compound, it's not even that is as it is. It's something totally different. So Anyway, you would greatly increase your need for vitamin C with either tobacco or marijuana. You know, so going further, uh, marijuana is addictive and it lowers the threshold of other drugs. The majority now this is very very important. The majority of heroin addicts smoked marijuana first. It is accurately described as a gateway drug. When I was growing up with the dudes that I hung out with, that was absolutely 100% of the case. You think somebody that's like, turns into a stoner and then gets into hardcore drugs, you think they started out with heroin? Yeah, I think I'm going to go right to the top. 
No, it's a gateway drug. They start with, with, let's say, maybe getting drunk or marijuana to begin with, typically. Maybe some prescription, I don't know, with what they do nowadays, <laughs> who knows. But when I was growing up, that was the way it absolutely 100% was. You started with marijuana, and then a lot of these other people will end up graduating to other drugs. It's a gateway drug. A survey of 17,000 high school students has shown that students who have smoked marijuana 10 times have a 25% chance of using cocaine. And those who have smoked marijuana 100 times or more have a 70% chance of trying cocaine. Okay? I think I tried like cocaine like maybe one time. Maybe. But I don't think, I don't know, maybe God just didn't let me experience anything from it. I was afraid of that stuff. I was afraid of that stuff. And it's, it's a vague memory. I'm not even sure if, I, if it even happened. It was on a cruise ship. A high school cruise ship thing. Senior class trip. Oh, what a heathen I was. Uh, boy, that was bad. Anyway, um, but I never got into that stuff. I, was, I had an inherent fear of that stuff. I had a friend of mine that got addicted to crack. And I mean, the guy totally went off the deep end, sold everything, ended up basically living in a crack house. I mean, his life, I mean, he got back kind of on track, but man, I saw what that stuff can do. Now, you know, with crack, I mean, you're talking about stuff that will absolutely totally ruin your life. And then you've got now crystal meth which is even a whole other level. And it's totally evil and demonic. These are demons and devils you're dealing with here. When you deal with these drugs, it's not just a little white piece of, of whatever, of crack or whatever crystal meth. There is a huge spiritual component to these, these drugs. And marijuana is, is, there's a huge spiritual component to marijuana. We're going to discuss that as well. And it's also the main gateway drug to other drugs. Satan will typically start people in gradual steps. He's not going to just, you know... Remember, he's the most subtle beast of the field. Oh, come on, it's not a big deal. Just, you know, have some pot. And then that will end up leading to other things many times. A former addict, Tina Cross, said, Even if they legalize cannabis tomorrow, I wouldn't smoke it. It's more deceptive than heroin. Because it's so acceptable. It's a deception, a doorway to other drugs. I believe with my whole heart that drugs are a tool of the devil. I've, I've heard they've used medical marijuana for glaucoma too. Oh, I need to have it for my glaucoma. All right, let me tell you something. Here's all you need for glaucoma. Go, and this is the, one of the professional products I carry, but you can probably find it online. It's AC Carbamide. AC Carbamide by Standard Process. Okay, I, if you had bad glaucoma, I'd probably do 10 capsules a day until you got your eye pressures lowered. And then what you do is do a keyword search for MSM, MSM, silver eye drops. Okay, you can find those on the internet. MSM, methyl sulfonide, methyl sulfonol, or whatever. It's an organic sulfur. Okay, what does MSM do? It creates permeability of tissues in the body. Okay, if you use the MSM silver eye drops, okay, what happens is, and make sure they're sterilized, May, um, what happens is, is it creates permeability of the eye. Glaucoma is an increased ocular pressure in the eye. 
the, pre- the, the, the fluids of the eye cannot escape readily, okay? So pressures go up and you start to have glaucoma, which can paralyze and start affecting the optic nerve. AC carbamide creates a decrease in this osmotic pressure in the eye. Coupled with the MSM eye drops, you're going to create direct permeability of the actual lens. I've had patients tell me that they were like literally at a, um, one time they were at a health expo and they got their eye pressures checked and they were like 23 or 24. They were way too high. They went and did a couple drops of the MSM eye drops and they were, I think it lowered it like by 6 to 16 in like, within like in a half hour, an hour or something. It can be dramatic. So you don't need medical marijuana for glaucoma either. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Okay, so anyway, let's go further. Um, here, then the next article, the cannabis religion. Okay, here's a whole link. I'm just covering some of the high points of this. Again, please listen to the other link because I get way into this whole other aspects of this that I'm not covering right now. Because if this is all you listen to, you'll say, yeah, but what about this and this? I already covered it in the other teaching, most likely. And I, get, I give you the link at the very beginning of this PDF. So, the cannabis religion, and if you have any questions about any subjects I bring up, go to contendingfortruth.com, go to the keyword search box, and just key in like one keyword, preferably. Um, because you get a more accurate, with that particular search engine, I think you're going to get a more accurate result. And you can search that way. So, the cannabis religion, what is that? What might that be, you might be asking? Well, for one, it's nothing new. Cannabis has been used in religious rituals by many cultures since the beginning of humankind. Again, another pretty gigantically huge red flag, I would say. You know? Cannabis has been and still is a sacred plant in many cultures on all continents that it grows on. It grows in nearly every continent on our planet and in nearly every tradition. Tradition in India maintains that the gods sent man the hemp plant so that he might attain delight courage, and have heightened sexual desires. Oh, there's no red flags there. When a nectar or armida drop from the heavens, cannabis sprouted from it. Another story tells of how when the gods, helped by demons, churn the milk uh, in the ocean to obtain armida, um, which is what they say this nectar dropped from heaven, one of the resulting nectars was cannabis. It was concentrated to the god of destruction, Shiva, and was the goddess's was the uh, was was his favorite drink. So I guess Shiva, the god of destruction, liked to drink uh, cannabis milkshakes or something of that nature. That was his favorite drink. You know? So, yeah, there's no red flags here at all. There's no red flags. After churning of the ocean, demons attempted to gain control of the Armida. But the gods were able to prevent its seizure, giving cannabis the name Vijana, which means victory, to commemorate their success. Uh, and again, you know, we're dealing with now Hinduism, which is one of the most demonic evil religions on the planet, and evidently they have no problem, you know, putting Mary Joanna on this gigantic pedestal. Okay, so ever since this plan of the gods has been held in India to bestow supernatural powers on its users. <laughs> I mean, talk about guilt by association. Anyway, cannabis played a major role in every religion of the old world, from the dawn of civilization until the Dark Ages when its sacramental use was prohibited by the emperor Theodosius. Oh, he's just a, you know, he's like a big wet blanket, you know. He doesn't like to have fun. Today, multitudes are rediscovering the spiritual virtues of this most powerful of all plants. 
Before the Dark Ages, people accepted the cannabis hemp plant as a special gift from the gods, a sacred medium for communion with the spiritual world. It played a prominent role in the development of religions and civilizations of Asia, and in the Middle East, the Europe, and Africa. The insights gained from the cannabis high by ancient worshippers were considered to be of divine origin. So in other words, you get high, and then all of a sudden now you get all these divine revelations. You're telling me that's coming from God? When it's well known that occultists get high, whether it's off coke or whatever they're doing, cannabis, drugs, whatever, they get to this altered state of consciousness because they know that they're creating doorways and the devils and demons can come in easier and they can communicate with evil much more readily. That's why they do it. So the insights gained from the cannabis high by the ancient worshippers were considered to be of divine origin, when in fact it was the very exact opposite, obviously. And the plant itself is considered an angel or the messenger of the gods. Well, what are the gods? Fallen angels. See, this is a very important drug to Satan. Marijuana is a very important tool of Satan. Shintoism. In Japan, cannabis was used for the binding together of married couples to drive away evil spirits and was thought to create laughter and happiness in marriage. In India, the god Shiva, the god of destruction, is said to have brought cannabis from the Himalayas for human enjoyment and enlightenment. Yeah, the, the, I'm sure that that was what that fallen angel's intention was. Uh, the Sardi priests traveled throughout India and the world sharing chillum pipes filled with cannabis. Um sometimes blended with other substances. In the Bhagavad Gita, the Krishna states, I am the healing herb, while the other, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Bigart Purana, the fifth canto, describes hashish in explicitly sexual terms. Ah. So again, there's no red flags here. Buddhists in Tibet, India, and China from the 5th century BC on uh ritually use cannabis, initiation rites, and mystical experiences. These are all religions that are considering marijuana integral with their religious ceremonies and their communication with fallen angels and devils and demons and are putting it on this unbelievably high pedestal. They're using it in initiation rites and mystical experiences and you're telling me there's no red flags and this is, this is of God that all this is happening? I see really big red flags here. Um, some Tibetan Buddhists and Lamas, which were the priests, consider cannabis their most holy plant. Many Buddhist traditions, writings, and beliefs indicate that the Siddhartha, or the Buddha himself, used and ate nothing but hemp. Maybe that's why he was so fat. Because he always had, he always had the munchies. Um, and it seeds for the six years prior to announcing, discovering his truths, and becoming the Buddha. So in other words, Buddha got all these divine revelations, because he ate nothing but weed, evidently, and um, for six years prior to him announcing, discovering his truths, and becoming the Buddha, and, and this soul-damning religion that's taken millions to hell. In fact, all these religions that I'm talking about have all taken millions and millions of people to hell, and it sounds like marijuana is a really, really big part of that whole ritual Religious thing. Huh. No red flags again. The Zoroastrians, um, on the, uh, the Zoroastrian religion, they're saying, at least on the surface, was based on the entire cannabis plant. The chief religious sacrament of its priest class. And its most important medicine. 
uh, obstetrics, incense rites, anointing, and christening oils, as well as lighting or fire oils in the secular world. The The word magic is generally considered derived from the Zoroastrians or the Magi. The Essenes... Um, which, it, which is an ancient, ancient Israeli sect that existed from 200 BC to 73 AD, used hemp medicinally, as did the Therapeuti in Egypt, in whom we get the term therapeutic. Now, I have no problem using hemp for a, a non-medicinal purpose, okay? I mean, I don't think we should be getting high, but obviously the hemp, with hemp plant or whatever, you can produce a lot of good things, paper and clothing and things of this, very, very durable. So I, I want to always separate the two. Both are believed by some scholars to be di- disciples of, or the, in brotherhood with, the priest magician of the Zoroastrians. The Sufis of Islam, uh, or also known as the Muslim mystical priests, who have taught, used, and extolled cannabis for divine revelation, insight, and this is all demonically inspired. I mean, it's not from God, obviously. None of these religions are Christian-based. They're all of the devil, and they're integrally using Cannabis for all for all of these rituals. So, they extol cannabis for divine revelation, insight, and oneness with Allah. Oh, Allah, the moon god? Yeah. For at least the last thousand years, many Muslim and world scholars believe that the mysticism of the Sufi priests were actually that the Zoroastrians who survived the Muslim conquest of the 7th century and 8th century AD. So, in other words, the Zoroastrians passed this on to them. The Coptic Christians, which, again, is not born-again Bible-believing Christians, they have their own pope, Coptic Christians, some sects believe the sacred, quote, green herb of the field in the Bible was cannabis. Oh, again, another gigantically huge biblical stretch uh, presumption, which obviously is total lie, and we've totally debunked that. I will raise up for them a plan of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger. Again, that's during the thousand-year millennium. You know, again, this is how cults get started. Okay, so the biblical secret of incenses, sweet incenses, and anointing oils, they thought to be cannabis. Again, that's a pretty big stretch. When they give you specific names like frankincense and myrrh and other things that don't have this um, high that they're giving you. Okay, so the Bantus had secret Daga cults, which was in Africa, societies which restricted cannabis use to the ruling men, the Pygmies, the Zulus, and the Hottentots all used it. Their Daga cults believed holy cannabis was brought to the earth by the gods. Huh, that seems to be a common theme here. Brought to the earth by, by uh, fallen angels. Huh. In particular, from the two dog star system that we will call Cirrus A and B. Daga literally means cannabis. The Rastafarians, Jamaicans and elsewhere, are a contemporary religious group that uses ganja as its sacred sacrament to com- communicate with its god, Jah. The Rastafarian movement, or the Rasta cult, is the cult that arose in the 1930s in Jamaica. Its adherent worship of Haile Selassie, who is the emperor of Ethiopia from 1930 to 1974, I'm not making this up, as they worship this guy as Jesus incarnate, the second advent, or the reincarnation of Jesus. They worship a man as the reincarnation of Jesus. The Rastafari are generally distinguished for asserting the doctrine of Haile Selassie, the former and final emperor of Ethiopia, as another incarnation of the Christian god they call Jah. Most see Haile Selassie as Jah or Jah Rastafari, who is the second coming of Jesus Christ onto the earth, but to others he is simply God's chosen king on earth. This is what the Rastafarians, the dreadlock boys, believe. 
The Rastafari movement, not saying women can do it, but the Rastafari movement encompasses themes such as spiritual use of cannabis. That's like the whole religion's based on pot. You ever been around any of those guys? You know? Pot is the main central tenet of the Rastafarian religious movement. Bob Marley's worship like a god. He was a Rastafarian. I was in, when I, right before I got out of practice, I was covering this practice in a, in a, uh, a town that I normally wasn't in. And this guy comes in, he's got this shirt on, and he lays down, and, you know, in the prone position, and I'm, I'm checking his spine and everything. I look at his shirt, I'm like in disbelief, and it says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Holly Selassie. And it's some, it's some black guy sitting on a throne. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, what what is this? So I get him up and I'm like, dude, what is that on your shirt? He's like, oh, I don't know, some shirt I got. He didn't even know what it was. Well, I went home and started researching. And I, re- I researched this Holly Selassie guy and the Rastafarians, and this is the religion he essentially started, which revolved around the ganja, the ganja spleef man, you know, Jamaican me crazy man. Well, this is what they do. This is the central tenet of their religion. And obviously, this is just one of the many, many religions on planet Earth that revolves around cannabis. There's not a lot of religions that revolve around, like, you know, cocaine. Or, not to say that that doesn't take play a part, but I'm talking about from antiquity. Before, let's say, they had the ability to even refine, like, turn heroin into what it is from, from opium, like, turn into a real pure drug form. Or turn, turning cocaine, or co- the coca plant into cocaine. The white powdered version. Listen, marijuana has been around and, and for ages and ages and ages and has been used in these ritual ceremonies. And it's always been said to have been brought by the gods. And to receive divine revelation and all these other things. You couldn't ask for any more red flags about a drug on planet Earth that has more history and more red flags. So hopefully... Between this study and the other study that I did on tobacco, this will convince you that this is the case. Now, I'm not going to read this because I read it in the last study, but the immediate verbiage of what you're going to see in on this PDF, starting on about page 7, is from a witchcraft chat room where occult practices for magical purposes are being discussed. So... Let's see what the pagan practicing occultists have to say about smoking tobacco and marijuana. And I edited out any inappropriate words. Now, this is a very like matter-of-fact conversation that these occultists are up on this witchcraft chat room having about tobacco and particularly, mostly tobacco, but about marijuana too. And again, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're talking, they're saying, uh, perhaps it's more powerful if one doesn't use it recreationally, but only in a sacred setting meaning, in this particular case, tobacco and, I believe, pot. Uh, they go on to say, this is just regarding tobacco. Cannabis is even stronger. It's a horribly mega-addictive drug that totally messes you up. If you think you're using it recreationally, you're conning yourself. Or being conned by the malevolent spirits that I suspect infest tobacco. Malevolent spirits. Now, this is an occultist saying this. Not Mr. Christian, this is an occultist having a conversation with another occultist about just tobacco. 
And I think if you're not a Native American living on a reservation, meaning somebody that's been trained up in how to deal with these types of spirits, who knows about the different kinds of tobacco that are out there, and this would way more even apply to cannabis, and which one you need for a particular magic purpose, then just leave it alone. Meaning these are very dangerous drugs you're dealing with here. And even there's many occultists that totally shy away from it because they're scared. This guy says, and this again would apply equally to cannabis, I use tobacco for certain specific spirits. And then only when it's requested that I do so. Meaning the devils tell them what to do. Just like they were telling all those high priests in all those religions to use it. Because they believe the gods brought it to them. There's usually room for some negotiation, like being allowed to take a token drag off a cigarette and then burn the rest in with the loose incense. But when they, the demons, really want something, and they're, they're acknowledging them as the demons, when they really want something, it's often a bad idea to kick up too much of a fuss about giving it to them. <clears throat> in non-ritual circumstances, uh, I'm a non-smoker, used to get through 20 plus Marlboro Reds a day. But I haven't smoked in non-ritual circumstances for more than eight years. The gods and the spirits I work with like tobacco. They like cigars. So I handle cigars on a weekly basis. Generally, I'll take three smokes on something without inhaling, blow the smoke toward the altar, leave the rest to burn up of its own accord in the ashtray. This is the relationship I now have with the tobacco spirits. It works. The idea of smoking in non-ritual circumstances is abhorrent. In other words, if they see somebody smoking, like just out in public, to an occultist that knows about this stuff. That is abhorrent. This is a... You, this These drugs are to be used for ritual, magical purposes, and to not do that in that setting to them is absolutely abhorrent. He says, I can't... I, I can't even imagine ever smoking without there being magic involved. This is how serious they take it. This, then this guy says, right now I have a very powerful sense that t- tobacco spirits contain seriously evil, malevolent spirits that are utterly hostile to human life. I wonder if that's why so many people die of lung cancer when they get addicted to cigarettes. And it can happen with pot too. Then it, this guy says, do you get the feeling that the spirits you're dealing with are in the tobacco? I do. Then they say, I don't know about the spirits and tobacco. I guess I was a bit off using the word spirit when what I actually meant was deities. <laughs> so give me a break. It's a devil or a demon. Okay, one particular deity demands cheap cigarettes and gets very emotional if he doesn't get one. I guess the demons have to have their fix too. If I do smoke during a service to him, I found the contact is much stronger. Heavy overshadowing, lots of physical and emotional effects. And also, he's more positive, friendlier sort of, toward me. Yeah, you get the, you give the devil what he wants, there's benefit for a time. Some of the ancestors, some of my ancestors were heavy smokers in life, so tobacco was a good offering for them. They don't require me to smoke, however. Oh, isn't that nice? I make the occasional offering to Eulegia. I wouldn't say I work with him, strictly speaking, but he taps me for offerings now and then. He likes rum, sweetie, cigars, of course. So they get all these different things that they're sacrificing to them, but the tobacco ones are one of the worst. Then this guy says, tobacco is a very strong spirit. In the same way that High John the Conqueror root, or five-fingered grass, now obviously grass is another word for, for marijuana, 
are strong spirits. The power of tobacco can be tapped and called upon in magic. And if you're doing that, you should really be using fresh tobacco leaves and know exactly what you're doing. In other words, because you can get really... These devils or demons can really mess you up if you're not doing this the right way. Um, and like the like the hypothetical Native American or reservation you talk... In other words, somebody that's a real Indian that's, that's like a shaman, they're going to know what they're doing when they're dealing with this stuff. However, in my own practice, I really don't work with the tobacco spirits in the sense outlined above. Or at least I haven't had the reason to. I use tobacco as an offering to deities I work with who happen to like tobacco as an offering. Uh, the tobacco spirits are made sacred and consumed. Oh, isn't that special? So, this guy then says, and if tobacco is manipulative plus destructive and toxic, um, then, and, and, it, and, it, and there's a problem with humans doing it, well, then tobacco is absolutely definitively evil as far as me and my lungs and my heart are concerned. No, this is an occultist saying this. Tobacco is absolutely, is totally evil. Get away from me bad stuff that will kill me. And which I already know has killed me. It killed my dad after all. And yes, I powerfully get the feeling that there's a spirit of a spirit in the processed mixed substance, including the Indian reservation stuff, meaning the the tobacco you would get from a store because they put all kind of other garbage in it. Um, I get the vibe of it being some kind of Aram and Indian curse. In particular, I get the feeling that the spirit wants to attack the human spirit to make it curl up and die, and specifically make human magic die. So it's, 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 he's getting a good vibe, you know, from these tobacco spirits. You can't really take that away from him. Anyway, um, then there's a whole article on here on why a Christian should not smoke. And I cover that in the, the other teaching I posted in the link. Um, and then my newsletter on acid reflux, heartburn, and indigestion. Which I need to make sure I format better. Anyway, I'm gonna. I'll have all this up with it. That's all I have on the marijuana stuff. I, obviously, I probably could have done a who knows how many part teaching on that. Just didn't really feel like I've already kind of covered this ground. Hopefully, this is enough to you know get you the information that you would need regarding that. So I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for your truth. I pray that. You give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. I pray, God, that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. And you just use um, the body of Christ, Lord God, my listeners, mightily for your glory, Lord. I pray you bless them. The blood of Jesus Christ be over them. I pray your angels encamp around about them and go before them to prepare the way and that you would use us to save many souls. Um, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen.